the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we have a great show today. We'll talk with Scotty Nell Hughes. Scotty Nell Hughes, formerly a CNN contributor, also a, uh, I guess you'd say a media personality all over the place. She will, um, she also hosts a, a news program called News Views Hughes over at RT America. We'll talk with her. And we'll also talk with Ted Malik. He's got a piece in American Greatness about common sense, both Thomas Paine's pamphlet and the virtue of common sense. We'll catch up with him uh, in a few moments, too. All right. Today, though, I've got a quick opening. What you need to know. I just put out a press release earlier on Tuesday on the topic of what is one of the Democrats sacred cows. There is a sacred cow of the Democrats, and that is that they regularly scare evangelical Christians and conservative Catholics and others about utilizing the pulpit to say vote for somebody. It's like a huge deal. In fact, Americans, uh, what is it called? Americans uh, for Separation of Church and State, which is a front organization run uh, by a, a bit of a crackpot. But he gets tons of money. And every year he goes out and he sends letters to pastors and he scares the pastors about every not every year, but every election year. He scares the pastors by saying, you're not allowed to speak from the pulpit on politics. You can't say vote for somebody or the other. That's a big liberal thing, a big liberal path to try to limit free speech. And it works. Lots of pastors are chicken and don't do anything. Don't make any comments. Don't say anything. Well, here's a sign of the desperation. What you need to know is the bottom is falling out on the Biden administration such that they are so worried about the governor's race in Virginia in three and a half weeks that they have give, they have had Kamala Harris make a video recorded speech that will be played on, I think it's over 300 church screens on Sunday over the next, I think, two Sundays. And it says, vote for Terry McAuliffe. So wait a second. I thought the message for all these years was you may not... You may not speak from the pulpit about such things as who to vote for. That's what they told us. And here comes Kamala Harris. Now, I've told you before, hypocrisy is not an indication of anything other than a politician, right? The hypocrisy, they change their mind and they pretend that they were always with you and all that. So I'm not here. I don't bother uh, saying, oh, what a hypocrite, although it's worth noting. And more importantly, what I say is it's a sign of desperation, because if you'll expose your sacred cow like this and go this way, it means they're seeing a problem in the polling and in the turnout and in the uh, in the elections. And one of the aspects of that that is so clear is African-Americans are not impressed by the Biden administration and Kamala Harris and others forcing them to vaccinate. If you look closely, it's not. Only conservatives, libertarians, Tea Party types. There's a bunch of them that say, hey, I don't want to vaccinate. But there's a whole lot of people that don't want to vaccinate that are, well, how do you say it? They're traditional. They look like traditional Democrats. 
And so Kamala Harris, what you need to know is it's not only a sign of desperation in Virginia that they're worried about Virginia. It's also a sign that the bottom is all the way out of this thing. Because, look, Kamala Harris is not more popular than Joe Biden, who's very unpopular. What they're doing, though, is targeting black churches because they know they've got a problem. Now, Kamala Harris, I believe she was raised by a Jamaican father and an Indian mother. And she actually talked in the campaign when she was running for president that she celebrated both, uh, I think, maybe Hindu or maybe traditional Indian religious ceremonies. I'm not sure which. And then also Christian. But I, it didn't. you don't see a lot in her life that makes you think, oh, this is a woman uh, that is really into her church community. I think now, I mean, over time, she's talked about it when it's politically expedient, but now there she is. And you wonder, first of all, will it have the desired impact? Because she's not exactly the most charismatic person. In other words, she's not that popular with the the African-American community. They don't actually relate to her. And, you know, she didn't get a lot of their votes in the general election. And here's a secret for you. Vice presidents don't bring anything to the table. They only take away from it. So in terms of when you when you run for office, Biden, Harris, Harris wasn't bringing anything. It really wasn't. It wasn't the people that were going to vote for Biden were voting for Biden. It, it, you know, so the, the way you do it is not have somebody hurt you. That's why somebody who's a U.S. senator who's been vetted and been through a national grinder, you know, uh, and, and there's no secrets and no problems. That's why they get there. But it's not an addition. And she's not charismatic. She's not popular with folks. So they're going to put her out as the person who can try to motivate people. What you need to know is, again, it's a sign of desperation that things are going wrong, and I don't think it'll work. Think about that. It's desperation time, but not exactly a good one, not exactly a smart play. The smarter play would be Obama in Richmond uh, and uh, in Northern Virginia and Bill Clinton in those places. But I think those guys are stepping back a little. And you can't bring Biden in. The bottom's falling out of that. So it is a mess for the Democrats, and that's what you need to know. All right, when we come back, we've got some great guests and a lot more. Uh, like I said, Scotty Nell Hughes, as well as uh, Ted Malik, and we'll wrap things up. I'll explain to you how somebody called me a racist racist which didn't seem fair to me i'll explain that in a minute we'll take a break we'll be right back it's ed martin here in the pro america report back in a moment welcome back ed martin here in the pro america report i'm really excited and grateful that my friend scotty nell hughes is able to join me because she does a, every day she's doing uh, her, her own program over on RT America and she does TV, of course, and she's been all over the place. She was on CNN. She's uh, been uh, a public figure. She was, I, I tell people, Scotty Nell Hughes saw what Trump was about very early. A lot of people got it pretty quick, but she was very early to understand what's going on and, uh, and then uh, t- talked about that. And her show, which is called News Views Hughes, Runs each day over on RT America. You can find it all over the place, over the internet. It gets tons of YouTube views, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm on often as a guest because she lets the guests uh, let it rip. I mean, there's no – we usually talk for longer than most of the soundbite segments on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News even, and so it's great fun. So, Scotty Nell Hughes, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, it's great to be. I love the role reversal here at any time. <laughs> I know I, I'm more than more than willing to come on and let you <laughs> ask the hard questions and put me in the hot seat. Well, so let me ask you this one first. Scotty Nell Hughes. I mean, um, RT America gives you this platform, but the world is like upside down in terms of your choice of a career. I mean, journalism 
everybody's liars in journalism now. And I'm, I'm being totally serious, not you, of course, but I'm being totally serious. CNN is not even trying to hide it, neither MSNBC. And even Fox News, you get the sense that they're only talking to a certain group that their people break out for them. I mean, the world is up. I mean, in terms of journalism, it must be like, you must shake your head. You could have been like, a, I don't know, you could have been a doctor. I mean, it's a crazy time, isn't it? The crazy time, and more importantly, it would be a lot easier if I did not care about the truth, and if I did not have, um, if I did not have this idea of like morals and ethics. Uh, it would be so much easier for me, and I'd probably be a lot more successful in this business in this industry if I did not believe that what actually people, if I did not know that it is a very important for people to get the truth, and more importantly, it's not about me telling you how to think. That I need to trust that if you are willing to watch my newscast or watch any newscast, you want to make your own decision. You don't want to be told how to think. You need the information so that you can make your own decision. And that is why I can give you, Ed, every time you come on my show, as much time as my producer allocates. Uh, And it's not being decided by me based on what you're saying. It's based on the clock. And then I trust my viewers, just probably you like you trust your listeners, to make a decision, an educated decision for themselves about what is right for them, their family, their community. And in the end, Ed, you know, everybody asks, you know, why there's a lot that goes into doing the show and, and my family that were split up in two different cities. But as my children get older and they get closer to the age of 18, the more, especially now that they can draft women, the more I find it on my heart as my mission is to do everything I can to prevent a major catastrophe happening in our world based on lies, like history has shown time and time again. So the more that I can de-escalate, I do believe that the truth and accountability will keep peace is the best way of keeping peace in our world. And the more that I can do that, and the more that I can make sure that truth is being told in all of the various outlets throughout the world, then I feel like I can sleep at night and do what I can to keep my children safe and future generations of children safe uh, just by doing an hour newscast every day. Uh, we're talking with Scotty Nell Hughes, and she is uh, the host of News Views Hughes, and uh, she's on Twitter at Scotty N Hughes. You can ch- check it out there, and I'll retweet her. I want to get to one of your tweets from uh, that I saw from uh, a few days ago, uh, Scotty. But I want to, you know, when I go on, I, and I, you know, you've done this too, but I, I mean, I'm always the guest. I'm not, I'm never the host, and I've been on. Everybody, everybody, Sky News, BBC, I've been on Al Jazeera, I've been on all the American stations. And the thing about the rhythm of your show is it's to me, it's like uh, it's like NPR or BBC rhythm because you're digging into stuff that most people because you're not it doesn't seem like you have to chase the same kind you, you want you want people to be drawn to it, but you're not chasing the same kind of make people hysterical sound bites that it feels like Fox News and and CNN are doing, right? They want to agitate you so that when you're watching the next pharmaceutical commercial, you come back afterwards to find out what it is. I think that's one of the powers of what you're doing there. Do you you see what I mean? Absolutely. And that is the difference between doing, and, and as much as I love this country, my blood runs red, white, and blue. I believe USA, put USA first. I love the USA first agenda. But we are a, a part of a bigger picture, a global picture. And as we have learned over the last few years, what happens in other countries can and do does affect us here at home and does affect us as close as our backyard. 
So from that, I have no idea. I have no agenda to make you angry, to motivate you to purchase things. Because guess what? On our network, we don't have to have commercials. I'm not driven by my sponsors or my or those people that put commercials within my show or even ratings. I'm driven by the truth and making sure that people get both sides of the story, the full 360 view, we like to call it, yeah. of stories that you have to realize, just like you know, Ed, they bury stories for a reason just as much as they make them headlines. And it's those stories that they bury are sometimes are the ones that need the most attention that are actually the most important thing that you deal with in the day. Yep, that's exactly right. All right, now listen, I, one of the things I talk about on my um, on my radio program, and, and again, we're talking with Scotty Nell Hughes. She hosts a Hughes Views news. Scotty, remind me that I used to say Pluto was an online ser- a service that I had at my home. I watched lots of different uh, uh, news. Where can you get RT America? There's another, there's an uh, uh, an app or something. I, I know that you absolutely use. portable.tv. It's Fair a free app that's on your phone. Download for your, your Apple or Android device. It's got all of the content that is just t- everything right now is on demand. Right. Uh, in every, in the world today. So we are on demand TV and it's a, it's a great way um, to definitely get the show, even if you can't watch us live. All right. So now, but I want to talk to you about, I, I, my listeners know I talk about what I call the narrative machine. The narrative machine mm-hmm. is big tech, big media, and big government. And they, they basically work together to tell you a, a truth, the country, a truth, and, and they jam it down your throat. So that, as you say, they bury other stories. And by the time you're done, half the country believes, for example, half the country believes that Russia hacked the election. Half the country believes that the DNC was hacked by Russia, even though we've discovered in the last couple of weeks definitively that nobody saw that report except for the same Democrats hired by Clinton. But but even even another example of that, the narrative machine is big tech, big media, big government on January, the January 6th thing. And so here we have big media immediately knocks Trump off, everybody off because, oh, my gosh, it was they called it an insurrection. Big media, you got CNN breathlessly covering things like an officer hit with a fire extinguisher. Total lie. I mean, total lie. And But by the time you're done and then you have big government now swooping in and putting people in jail for months for trespass, maybe for not even. But you tweeted about this. You said the Dems have not figured out the continued focus on January 6th. When real life issues, and you go through a bunch of issues, gas and all, and it reminds you of impeachment two point times two, the second impeachment, while ignoring COVID-19. I, I guess my questions that I saw it and I was like, huh, she's right. But is it distraction and does it succeed? Because maybe it's just keep everybody busy with something else instead of focusing on the fact that, you know, uh, bread has gone up, uh, you know, 75%. I mean, th- is it working? I, that's my, my point is when you say that they haven't figured it out, have they not figured it out because it's working? But is it? And let me just tell you, this was a moment of, I was on the elliptical, endorphins were going, I was feeling nice and happy. So I thought I would give the Democrats a piece of advice uh, <laughs> by the comments. Um, they obviously didn't take it as advice, but I seriously was giving them, because here's the deal, but I won in elections. I want us actually to focus on the politician and their platform. I don't want all this extra refresh. That's the ideal. But that's not how, unfortunately, the reality of an election is in these days. And in this case, the Democrats, they think it's working. It's not. Because as long as they're January 6th, I call it the great filler right now. What happened on the day? Yes, very unfortunate. Do we know the truth about it? Absolutely not. And we probably won't know until we have a Republican back in the office of the White House and we have some sort of uh, clarity going on within our intelligence. But that's another conversation. 
but what they're doing right now, as long as they're focusing on January 6th and they're continuing this narrative of demonizing anything and everything conservative, anything and everything Trump, even if Trump doesn't run again. Uh, I said that, but that doesn't mean that's not what's going to happen. Anything, though, they want to demonize so that you feel and you can kind of feel it, actually, about how, you know, people stopped those few days after January 6th. They were afraid to some people still were very bold, probably your listeners and wore their MAGA hats. Um, They wanted to make you feel like ashamed. And that's what this January 6th is. But now it's gone on for so long. They realize it's great filler package. Um, for them so they don't actually have to focus on the other issues that are going on. Plus, it's easy. I want to give a little secret to your listeners. Um, Journalists and those that work in the newsroom, the majority of them can be very lazy. And it's an easy story to do. And it's an easy cover. Like, hey, let's just do another January 6th package, Um, regardless of of anything, Um, if there's actually anything new out of it. They are literally taking it. And it is damaging them. That, that is the, you know, if you're a conservative, that's the good news. It is definitely because people could care less about January 6th when they've lost their job and they can't buy milk or bread at the, at the uh, grocery store. And they're paying $3 a gallon to fill up their truck to even go and look for a job. Tell me how that's going to play out in America when it comes to election time, if we're allowed to have free and fair <laughs> elections that's- by the time we get there. That, 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 that's the next question. I was just going to say, all right. I Unfortunately, I'm already out of time. Scotty Nell Hughes at Scotty N Hughes on Twitter. Uh, you can go to portable.tv and find her show, uh, RT America. Also on YouTube, you'll find it on YouTube and through the RT.com. Uh, is it the RT.com? Uh, R- RTAmerica.com or RT.com. Either one. I'm on both. Okay, great. And uh, every day, uh, lots of great contact, lots of great guests, sometimes really great guests when I'm on, but don't focus on that. But uh, thank you, as always, uh, Scotty, for uh, the time and for being so engaged in the fight. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'll talk again. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and we're going to catch up with my old friend, uh, Ted Malik, and see what he is up to. He's got a new piece out, The Return of Common Sense, uh, over on American Greatness and Greatness.com. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm great, Ed. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. All right, Ted, before we get to your piece, um, let me ask you your observations on Donald Trump. What made me think of this was, and and remind me, Ted, have you known him for years and years and years? I know you were an early backer, an early writer about him as he was running for office, but have you known him a long time? Yeah, I've known him a very long time, mostly through uh, charitable activities and uh, golf tournaments that he sponsored. I mean, it's uh, something not everyone knows about the Trumps, uh, but they're very charitable and they've been very uh, beneficial to uh, lots of causes. These are not political, mostly medical causes, and they've used Mar-a-Lago for that uh, actually for decades and decades. Yeah. In fact, I remember the one that was so mean about they made Eric Trump, they made it into a big deal what he was doing when he, as like the chairman of the effort, has raised tens of millions of dollars for St. Jude's Hospital, which uh, people that don't know St. Jude's, first of all, everybody knew St. Jude's for decades and decades because uh, 
uh, Danny Thomas and and the and Marlo Thomas and the family yeah. were so famous for having helped this great hospital. And and so did Eric Trump. And he got vilified and attacked and all sorts of things for it because he helped him, which was insane. But uh, so but back to Trump, your observation now on him, he he, he has not been able to re- return to the megaphone of either social media. You know, he's not on Twitter or Facebook. And frankly, nor does he have uh, TV, cable TV. He'll he'll do his rallies and he'll get Newsmax and he'll get some coverage. But it's not like the old days where you could count on the, you know, all the networks wanting to tune in. So he's got he's a little muted, which may help him. But what do you where do you think about where he is, his comments that he's been making, his 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 approach? What What's your thoughts on uh, right now on on Donald Trump? Clearly, he's in the driver's seat, um, even without the things you've mentioned. Uh, and that's a shame that you could take a president of the United States off of a social media and allow terrorists on the same media platform. But regardless, uh, I, I think uh, the latest numbers I saw were, you know, he's uh, got a majority, surely of a Republican support, and no other candidate, if you're talking about the presidency or the presidential uh, election in 2024, comes anywhere near Donald Trump. In fact, uh, some of them would probably make very good vice presidents. So, uh, yeah, it's up to him. Does he want to do it? Uh, uh, knowing him well enough, I would say, yeah, he has a vengeance. He's going to come back. <laughs> I think you're right. I think so, too. Uh, all right, we're talking with Ted Malik, And again, over to American Greatness, he's got a piece uh, here uh, called The Return of Common Sense. And as it opens, uh, I'm reminded that, Ted, you're, you've written history books as well as uh, mm-hmm. written books on business and now writing, commentating so often on the politics because you're referring to uh, common sense, the Thomas Paine pamphlet, and you refer to 1776 and how this, uh, how this, uh, uh, you know, became a, a, a sensation. I was listening to a book on tape on the way to work today, actually, about James Monroe, who helped Thomas Paine get out of prison when Monroe was the ambassador to Paris. And then Paine got out of prison and he immediately stayed with Monroe for a while and started writing anti-George Washington pamphlets and uh, made Monroe nervous. But, but back to this uh, piece, uh, you're, you describe common sense and you use the word, you've used it before in your writing, prudence. We need to restore prudence as an intellectual virtue. What do you mean by that? Well, prudence and common sense are, are virtually the same thing. So I'm, I'm talking about a very old virtue, one that have uh, that anyone who has a classical education or any biblical literacy would understand. So I'm, 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 I'm strongly suggesting that, you know, we need that kind of common sense, that kind of prudence to soak into our American consciousness again. Uh, you know, Paine certainly was... Um, an early instigator of that, he called it the plain truth. And that, that's really what I'm talking about. It's a, it, it, it's clear to right thinking, rational persons. Now the, the, the phrase actually is very old. It goes back to the 14th century in England, where it was considered a sense very much like our other senses. They called it the five wits. As you know, I, I'm a little bit of an Anglophone. So the five wits and common sense were united into a useful whole and I, I think that's what we need again. Now, you know, if you go back in American history, the most recent uh, um, sort of uh, proponent of, uh, of common sense was none other than our favorite, Ronald Reagan, who spoke about it, uh, well, pretty endlessly, but most prolifically and I think most clearly in his farewell address to the nation, where he called us to rediscover our values and our common sense. So 
Uh, we have lost that common sense. Common sense is not that common anymore. Uh, <laughs> woke ideology has taken on, or as Mark would call it, Mark Levin, American Marxism has taken over, and we need to restore that original American sense, that common sense. And uh, I think there are there are people who are trying to do that and want to do that. Well, and and but um, and we're talking again with Ted Malik, his piece American Greatness. I'll, I'll amgreatness.com. I'll put it up on social media. Um, but Ted, you're an observer and, you know, part of your thing as an economist, I think you would, most good economists in my mind understand, uh, the psychology of the people because that's how the economy operates. So, you know, where, where people are confident and they, and, and you have to, markets have to supply them and, and move and all, um, are the, are, are regular Americans, are normal people, do they have more common sense? And let me say it differently. Are they looking up and saying more American? Now, look, there's there's 25 percent of the country is brainwashed by CNN. Uh, you know, and that, that I'm using CNN as a stand in. And 25 percent is is brainwashed by Fox News. I, let's just let's, I'm guessing on those numbers. But the rest of the country is hopefully not brainwashed. And are they looking up and saying this mess is 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 just totally out of the direction? Do they have common sense? And if not, how do we help people get it? Well, yes, I do believe they have innate uh, common sense. Some of it has been eradicated. Some of it, uh, you know, psychologically, as you say, or morally has been dismissed, uh, you know, down the centuries. But I do think that the common person, uh, even more than the common politician, uh, has common sense. And this is embodied in, in you know, what, what we would call being faced with an uncertain future, risk aversion, uh, to use the term. It's a precautionary motive. Has to do with saving today because you know tomorrow could be worse. Uh, in in uh, in accounting, and now I'm not an accountant. Prudence is the it's the fundamental concept. The term is the time when revenue can be recognized. So it's a very uh, consequential event. So I, I think that uh, both in our professional lives and in our everyday lives, yes, not just Americans but people around the world embody this kind of common sense. And what we need to do is. Um, we, we, we need to grow it, we need to develop it and nurture it, and we need to practice prudence in order to have the cycle completed. More wisdom leads to more phronesis, leads to more common sense. So it's a good thing. The church knows this, Ed. I think uh, you're aware of that. Your viewers know this. In the catechism, it says, prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. And how does it conclude? The prudent man or woman looks where he or she is going. So you have to look ahead. You have to be aware of the needs of the future and plan accordingly. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik and uh, his piece over American Greatness. Uh, his uh, wisdom is all over the place. I'll put it up on social media. Um, but later in your piece, mm-hmm. you say... For Aristotle, because you go back to Aristotle, any conception of the good life employed, any conception of the good life employed practical wisdom. The problem is, in my mind, uh, we're getting way into it, Ted, but the, the culture has distorted what the good life was, right? I mean, what, or not what was, but what the good life is. And so people are chasing materialism and you can pick the you can pick the category of materialism you can pick in you know in in sensuality sexuality you could do uh, wealth you could do whatever food i mean the number of foodies that look i love my dog but i see people that replace 
a family with a couple of dogs. And I say, huh, I mean, I love my dog. I mean, I love my dog. I tell my kids, I love my dog a lot more than my kids sometimes, some days, just kidding. But, but, you know, how do we get the good life? America, we used to have this sense in America that the good life was, it it was, it was reasonable, had common sense. It was, you know, build yourself, build your family, have a future, get your kids in a better spot than you. It feels like that's not uh, common now. No, I, I think you're onto something. I write about it at length and somewhat philosophically in this article. But the resurrection of any notion of common sense requires a rejection of the modernist approach. And that has profound consequences for some of the things you just mentioned. But it really means that uh, we, ha- we have to think of, ut- uh, of prudence not as a utility or a kind of cleverness, but as a virtue, as a kind of excellence. And we do that by having a telos. We have to be directed towards some end some bigger purpose than ourselves. Now, Christians, I think, know what that is. Secular people might have more difficulty doing that. So I suggest this bumper sticker, if anybody's in the bumper sticker business. Uh, there is no eudaimonia without phronesis. That sounds very Bill Buckley-like, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. You better explain that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, eudaimonia, of course, is the form of happiness that the uh, that Aristotle talks about, but the founders talked about when they talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So that is an American good, an American end, eudaimonia. But I'm saying you can't have that kind of happiness, and certainly not in some kind of gratification that is very uh, immediate. You have to have phronesis. You have to practice prudence and wisdom in order to have happiness. And I think good, well-meaning people know that, and um, I wish our political class would practice it in the same sense. Well, I, I, I think um, if, they, if we can keep reading you and you keep writing, it's a great medium for you, these essays that you write in uh, so frequently. Ted Malik, uh, we're out of time. Thank you. It's American Greatness is where he publishes. You go to amgreatness.com and you can see this recent one on Common Sense. I'll put it also up on social media and we'll take a, a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. While President Biden tries to blame Donald Trump or even the Afghans themselves for the collapse of Afghanistan to the Taliban, the real lesson is the failure of progressive policies right there in Afghanistan. The unmitigated disaster for America's armchair nation builders is reminiscent of Custer's last stand in 1876, when the inept U.S. colonel's entire force was slaughtered by enemy Indian tribes. Missing in action for days as Afghanistan fell, Joe Biden finally emerged to pretend that the problem was Afghans supposedly not having the will to fight. This was after the Afghan president, handpicked by liberals and an American educated academic with progressive political beliefs, no less, had fled the nation in a helicopter reportedly stuffed with cash. Just a few weeks earlier, the progressive chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, had defended indoctrinating U.S. soldiers in the tenets of critical race theory. President Trump was blistering in his criticism of Milley back then, declaring that General Milley ought to resign and be replaced with someone who is actually willing to defend our military from the leftist radicals who hate our country and flag. General George Patton, perhaps our finest and toughest field commander of the 20th century, believed in reincarnation. One thing we know for certain, Patton didn't return as General Milley no doubt disliked by Afghan soldiers as much as he is here, 
In July, Milley misled the public by declaring to reporters that, quote, the Afghan security forces have the capacity to sufficiently fight and defend their country, end quote. But defend their country for whom? Biden and his ideological twin who quickly abandoned his post and fled with a pile of cash? I doubt it. If you look closely at the photos of Afghanis crowding around the Kabul airport, you'll notice that very few of the people are women. Afghan men are fleeing in terror while leaving women and children behind to suffer under the Taliban's iron rule. These men are cowards for not defending their country. Yet the inept Biden and General Milley cannot escape the blame they so completely deserve for knowingly leaving such a horrible mess behind after 20 years of sacrifice by the American soldiers and Marines. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Political correctness is no longer simply about restricting speech. This tool for tyranny has led to employees being fired, pastors silenced, small businesses closed, and truth suppressed. Thankfully, the politically correct can't censor the work at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you? At phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And let us talk about one of my um, recent commentaries and a response from one of the listeners. Actually, let me tell you more uh, concretely. It was someone who listened uh, via our email. You know, I send out the daily email at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. It's called The Wink. What you need to know, the email, if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up there. And you can uh, you can listen. Uh, you can get your email, put your email address in there, and you'll get those emails to you to you every morning. So uh, I had a response from someone who um, read, uh, listened to the segment. I think maybe they didn't listen to the whole thing, but they called me a racist. So let me tell you first of all, this this gentleman. I'll I'll, I'll call him Dan. He didn't give me permission to uh, talk about his uh, email. So, but I'll call him Dan, and Dan basically said I'm racist for my comment or commentary or email. I don't really know for sure. Um, he then challenged me to be better, which is always good. I like to, I'd like to be better in every way that I can. Uh, but here's the thing. Let me clarify. It has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with race. Now, it may be convenient and it may be, um, and may, may be coincidental. And you may say, well, I don't believe you, Ed. I, I, I think it isn't convenient or coincidental. Um, I think you're being, I think you're being disingenuous. You could say that. I'm just telling you I'm not. Most people that listen to me and know me, I think would have a sense of that. I, I don't know how to prove to people that I'm being genuine. But my point is unfettered, uncontrolled immigration in the modern moment we're in with a combination of big tech, big media and big government. And all the rest that's around us, including failure by families, failure by churches, we're not in a position where we can assimilate people into this country. That's my starting point. So when someone said, and and this uh, gentleman, Dan, said, well, my family came in, they were ethnic, you know, when they came in, they would have been surprised to hear they weren't welcome. That's not my point. There, actually, let me say it clearly. There are two points I'm making about what I would say is the immigration crisis for this country. Number one is that there is a national security crisis, in my opinion. You may disagree, but when I see the fact that we're an un, uh, unvetted entry into this country and lots of people that really, really aren't happy 
with America, they're trying to come. We know that. We have documented evidence that people on the terrorism watch list are, are trying to come in and other people. Uh, we, don't, we don't know who came in from Afghanistan as refugees. That, that just seems to me to be a national security threat. It rises to the level that I would like to see it changed. Okay, that's number one. But number two, the larger point is we are not, we do not have the institutions in this country right now that can handle the massive influx of people who need to assimilate. And by that, I do, if that makes me a, 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 some, sort, some sort of a nationalist, then fine. But it's not a white nationalist because I don't mind a hundred years ago when people came from Italy and Germany and, uh, and uh, the Czech Republic, what is now the Czech Republic or pick a place, Africa. They came into an America that its institutions, the law, education, our churches, our communities, the associations, by the way, that Alex de Tocqueville described so uh, clearly as binding us together. All of those things have dramatically changed at this modern moment. Now, is it better now or worse now? I, get, I mean, it feels worse to me in terms of the, all those deteriorated institutions, but it is also just time marches on and things change, right? Communities change, technology changes. We're li- living in a very different time. We're probably living in a time, this information age, where we're adjusting to everything. But my argument, my policy argument, is that you must pause all immigration. Doesn't matter from what, what racial background, ethnicity, national background. You just got to stop it all until we can figure out how to have a system that assimilates. Otherwise, you're turning into this sort of atomized America. Where And remember, 100 years ago, let's say 125 years ago, when you had this massive influx of people coming into America, they came in, if they were Italians, they came in and they went to the Italian-American places. They went to the Italian-American churches. They became part of those Italian... They kept their Italian ethnicity as an identifier for what they were and who they were, but they dramatically became... Americans. They were assimilated into America. Now, by the way, let me be clear. In the last 25 years, we've had a massive number of people who've come to the country and many of them have gotten citizenship. I'm not saying that they're not assimilating. Many of them are. I'm saying that the system can't take millions. And frankly, I am saying that the system, the deteriorated institutions have gotten worse in the last 10 years, dramatically worse. Education, uh, rule of law, the uh, the um, our, our churches. So you just got to there. There are times where you have to say in order to be use your prudential judgment, you should pause. You should you should cease maybe forever, but probably just for now and make an assessment about how people will become part of this nation, because it, it, the whole idea of a melting pot is it, to me is um, a less uh, the, the term I like, I know why it's used and all. I, I would prefer to say people come here and become American. Then they have their history, their background, their, their um, um, kind of uh, um, lineage. And none of that is without value. It is with, it's with great value, but they become American. That's the argument. That's what I'm saying. And I don't, other than being the modern moment where if you happen to disagree with someone on immigration, they call you a racist. I, I don't understand that. That's not a policy difference. You tell me your policy difference. If you say, if you say you have no fear of the, uh, of the, uh, um, um, 
national security implications of having open borders and open refugee policies. I just would say, okay, well, you have that opinion. My opinion is informed by America's covert border war, a book on it and reading and other things and just the experience of human beings. You know, the experience of open borders and human beings, I, that's my, but that's a policy difference. If you say that anyone that comes to America can assimilate in America, even if we're talking about millions and millions of people, and even if I think it's fair to say that our institutions are at least uh, uh, not as functional, not as functional, I think they've been deteriorated beyond that. But if you think they're all working great and everyone assimilates great, fine. But my, I, I think my assessment is, If you reject all of my arguments in favor of open borders, you're basically saying you don't mind America becoming something else, which is a a, a multi, uh, not a multi-ethnic America, a multinationality landmass over time. That's my argument. All right. We got to take a break, though. I'm running out of time. I'm talking way too long. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, as well as Joanna for helping us book guests. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to sign in on uh, for, uh, excuse me, get your email sent every day and also to check out these great interviews. And thank you for the feedback from Dan. Uh, we'll take a break. We won't take a break. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. The Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.